Well, last year, uh, Brian made note a little bit earlier that uh, we, we had the privilege of walking through a series called Living Generously. And in that series, um, we had the privilege of watching the Donovan family and their, uh, their learning what biblical generosity was all, all about. And we were able to do that through a video and watching that video, video as it chronicled, uh, chronicled, 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 whatever it was, their life. Yeah. Yeah, just what I said. And so, uh, you know, that was, the, that was the first part of really a three-part series. Um, there was, there's living generously and loving generously and leading generously. And this year, in the fall, um, for the month of November, we're going to, to do what's called loving generously. And in this series, um, it's going to be unique because we're also going to go back and watch the family and see their life uh, as they learn what it means to, to love generously. And we're going to see their life as they, um, as they face some challenges, as they face some struggles, when they open their life up to people that are a little bit different. Um, and we're going to see what they face in reference to not only the struggles and the tensions within their own lives, but we're going to see the struggles that they face from their friends and what they have to say about their decision to love people that are different than what they are. Uh, and so for those of you that, are, that have grown up in the church, uh, the next several weeks are going to be a little bit different for us. We, we do this a little bit differently. This isn't me stand up in front of you and speak to you for the next 35, 40, 50 minutes or an hour sometimes, as Brian says. This is, this is going to be a little bit more participation from you. This is going to be you... Uh, interacting as, as we talk about what we see because every, every week we're going we're gonna to have a video clip for about seven, eight minutes and you're going to see the storyline as it progresses. And then we're going to come back and we're going to look at some passages of Scripture and then we're going to talk about those things. And listen, I don't, man, listen, I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you to miss it. Because it would be really easy to miss what I think God has for us inside of this. And walk away and just totally miss the whole meaning of this whole series. I think it's much deeper than, than what many of us. Because sometimes we think that, that, that loving people that are different from us happens from, the, from our wallet. But there's something, that different, there's something different that happens when you invite people into your lives. And that's what we're going to see happen. Um, I, so, so it's going to be a little bit different over the next five weeks. So expect that. Expect to maybe feel some tensions in the room as, as we discuss and as we talk. There may be some times that I say, listen, um, turn around and just maybe discuss this question. <laughs> Is that okay with you? Yeah. It doesn't really matter if it's okay with you or not. It's just... <laughs> See, because I think it's going to somewhat help us, help us um, better see what maybe this whole series is about. Because some of you have, don't, haven't even talked to the person to the left, to the right, or, and that's even maybe your spouse this morning, right? <laughs> Sometimes it's really hard to love people, yeah. right? It can be really tough. You know, and, and think about it from this point. I'm not going to pick that up. 
Think about it from this perspective. How many of you guys, how many of you guys remember the picking of teams or the choosing of teams growing up? How many of you growing up, that was a really stressful time? You know, maybe it was PE, it could have been in a classroom situation, it could have been outside on the on just in a just in a sandlot where, where you were just maybe picking up a, a ball team, a kickball team, or a jug ball team. See, if you go back far, we didn't, there was times that we didn't have a lot to play with children that are in the room, so we had to make do with what we had. But those were probably some of the most tense-filled times, I think, growing up, is when, when, there, when there was that opportunity to, to choose and pick teams. You know? Because there it was, here's the coach, and he says, all right, you got Smith, Jones, Thomas, and, you know, McCondy. One, two, three, and four. Everybody line up. So everybody gets in a line. This is going to be, I'm going to call you out. You go to the, McCondy is going to be number one. Smith's going to be number two. Thomas, number three. Jones, number four. I'm going to give you a number, and I want you guys to go over there to that that a corresponding team. So automatically, what did you do during that time? One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three. So you wanted to be on somebody's team, or you wanted to get people on. You know what? I, you remember the game, don't you? So really, that wasn't that bad. But it, was re- it got really tense, though, when the, when the coach said, all right, you know, Smith, Jones, Brock, whatever. You know, one, two, three, four. Okay, you guys choose. Oh, boy, because that meant that somebody was going to be last. That meant that somebody was probably going to be left out. That meant that there were going to be a few people, and those few people at the end were going to be the ones that really nobody wanted. And it wouldn't surprise me if some of us in this room were some of the ones that nobody wanted on the team. Because the people that you wanted on the team were the, sma- were the, were the fastest. You remember that? Or the biggest or the strongest or the best at. You remember that. Which meant that those that were the last pick were the what? The slowest, the weakest, the one that nobody wanted. And usually, that person usually knew that every time the teams were picked, and how many times did they go, oh, I, just, I just don't want to play. I just don't want to play. I'm not feeling good today. Because they knew. But you know, it wasn't always the jocks that won out. Because sometimes you might be in a class, an academic class, and sometimes jocks aren't always the smartest because something, sometimes it had to do with academics, Right? And in, the, in reference to academics, when it had to do in a project or something, you wanted the smartest person on your team, didn't you? And so sometimes you had the big jock over here that might have been a great athlete, but he was the last one that was picked because nobody wanted him. And we, and we laugh about that. But the reality is those tensions are there. It hurts to be left out. It hurts... It hurts to be last. It, it hurts to be, on, to be on the other side. And the truth is, is that we have a way of, of um, choosing and picking based on certain parameters. 
leaving people out and choosing people based on certain parameters that, we've, that we pick out. Sometimes we leave people out based on size or gender or age or maybe it's physical abilities or lack of physical abilities. Um, maybe it's the color of their skin. We do that. And you would think that those things would dissipate after childhood and as we mature and as we grow up that we get a little bit better at handling those situations, but the reality is we don't, do we? It's just easy for us to be a little bit better at but you know what I'm talking about. I want you to watch the first of this video series because I want us to learn something in this over the next month that's really going to challenge us as, as a church. Because um, if we really want to experience community, it's going to cause a tremendous amount of tension in our lives because it's going to require from us something that many of us aren't willing to do. Yet Jesus himself demonstrated it. And we're going to talk about that today. But before we watch the video clip, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you, and I want to pray specifically for you and I as we watch this, that God would open up our hearts and that in our discussion time today, that there would be something that we might see that would impress upon us something that God wants us to hear today that would cause us to move just a little bit closer to becoming the person that he'd have us to be. So can I do that for us? Father, I, I, um, this has really challenged me. Um, and so Lord, I'm praying that in our time and, and watching and experiencing what we're gonna, we're gonna watch over the next few minutes and what we're gonna talk about over the next five weeks God, I pray that you'll really do something within our lives that's going to that's gonna press us towards becoming the person you'd have us to be, the Christ follower that you would have us to be. Help us to, to understand the truths of your word that we're going to talk about. And help us through these clips that we're going to watch to have a better understanding, God, of what your word says and what it talks about when it, when it talks about kingdom and when it talks about community and when it talks about loving one another that it's much larger many times than what we consider what we what we view father i pray today that you would really open up our hearts today to hear your word and to see what you want us to see and that when we leave here today there'll be something that we'll be challenged to do that'll be more about the kingdom more about the kingdom because we've heard your voice today in jesus name amen what do you think frank honey it looks great don't worry everything's gonna be great Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? 
done a really great job. I'm impressed. Did you expect anything else? Oh, look here. Handsy, honey. Oh, nice. Frank, Cassie. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Welcome to Seed Time Garden Supply, partner. <laughs> Come here. Oh. Closer to the side, closer to God. Ray looks amazing. <laughs> it really does. We were going to bring a grand opening gift, but my go-to is usually a plant. <laughs> um. Dolores, I wanted to meet Frank and Cassie Donovan. They made this whole thing happen. Oh, we helped a little bit. Raise the one with the green thumb. <laughs> it's a pleasure to meet you. Well, actually, I think we met some time ago down at the soup kitchen. That's right. You haven't been there in a while. Well, I haven't had the need lately. <laughs> Thanks to Ray here. You know, you should come out to the banquet tonight. You could be Ray's plus one. Oh, she wouldn't want to sit through some old stuffy banquet with a bunch of rich folk. I can decide if I want to go to some stuffy banquet myself. Thank you very much. It's not stuffy. What? <clears throat> okay, so it's a little stuffy. What do you expect? It's for the soup kitchen donors. You've got a better idea. You do, don't you? <laughs> he also said to the man who invited him, when you give a dinner, or bad Don't just invite your friends and relatives and rich neighbors, the kind of people who can return the favor. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed because they can't repay you. It does kind of make sense to invite the people the benefit benefits, right? So basically it's like a metal detector, but only it finds plastic, you know what I'm saying? But what would you find with it? What do you mean, plastic? I met Frank almost uh, four years ago at, at the kitchen. Excuse me, I have some people for you to meet. This is Thomas and his fiance, Julia. We've enjoyed getting to know them at the kitchen. It's great to meet you, Thomas. Yeah, you too. Oh, I'm sort of the official handshaker for us. <laughs> I am so oh, sorry. Oh, it's okay. I saved tons of money on hand sanitizer. <laughs> Cassie, may I speak with you for a moment, please? Oh, Victoria, I'd like to. I'm sorry, dear. Um, I'm afraid I won't be able to stay for dinner, but you can put me down for my usual donation. Oh, thank you. But I'm sorry that you have to leave so soon. I'm not exactly sure why things were changed this year, but you should probably know that a few people feel a little ambushed by how this was done. Ambushed? I just thought you'd want to know. Aren't you staying for dinner? Not for me. I'm sorry to hear that. Did we do something to upset you? I don't see no name card says Chuck. Well, that's a good point, Chuck. But I don't see a card here with anyone else's name on it here, do you? No, sir, I suppose I don't. 
Chuck, from the looks of it, we are going to have plenty of food to go around. So, would you please join me for dinner? Cassie, thank you. It was a great evening. Y'all take care. Drive safe. What a lovely evening. Yeah. <laughs> Something wrong, Frank? I was just thinking about the people who left earlier tonight. But hey, more food for us, right? <laughs> you know, some people only want to sit at tables when every seat is reserved for people like themselves. When you want real community. You gotta rip up name cards and prepare to get your hands dirty. I know a thing or two about getting my hands dirty. <laughs> <laughs> now you know why we hated to lose Ray as a gardener. Oh yeah. Uh, Julia? Is something wrong, dear? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm sorry. <laughs> Say what's on your mind. You're among friends here. It's just I haven't been a part of many meaningful relationships lately. Except Thomas, of course. <laughs> Thomas is about the only healthy thing in my life. It's okay, sweetheart. Julia lost her apartment today. It's a long story. But we're trying to figure out how to deal with some people who think that they get to decide what table Julia sits at. Oh. I know that there's a lot there that won't be solved right now, but Frank and I might be able to help out in some small way. We have a guest house that we would love for you to use for as long as you need it. Uh, no, I, I couldn't. No, uh, uh, thank you, Mrs. Donovan, um, but... No, hold on, Thomas. I know you can't see my wife right now, but if you could, you'd know not to mess with her. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, we insist. I, I, I don't know what to say. Say thank you, dear. Uh, <laughs> of course. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, it's settled then. This was nice, Ray. Yeah. Especially knowing God will repay you. So I don't have to. <laughs> I love this series. Mm. It's all up in your business. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 14, and let's uh, let's look at a passage of scripture, and then we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit together. It was a passage of scripture that that you heard Ray um, make reference to. Luke chapter 14. It's in the New Testament, and this is uh, this is what this is what Jesus said. And I'm going to, I want to read this to you, Luke 14, 12, 13, and 14. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, 
your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors, if you do, they might, they might invite you back so you will be repaid. They may invite you back so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. I want you to think about this just for a second. I want you to think about your relationships. I want you to think about the people that you hang out with, that you spend your time with. And I want you to think, are those relationships that you draw from are relationships that you give to? Let me, summarize, let me summarize this for you because this is maybe a way to summarize this passage. Don't invite those to lunch who can just serve our needs, but invite those to lunch who we can serve. Don't invite people who can pay you back, but invite those who can't pay you back. Think about that just for a second. When's the last time that you've invited somebody to lunch that it was the intent of giving them something that they couldn't repay. When's the last time that you invited somebody into your home that it was all for the purpose of loving them unconditionally? Because if, I think if we're honest, most of us hang out with people that we enjoy hanging out with. We hang out with people that we enjoy hanging out with, spending time with, that we get fed from, that we enjoy laughing with, that we, you know, that that relationship is there. But when is the last time that you've spent time with somebody, not for the purpose that you got something, but you were able to give something away? Hmm. What did the lady say to Frank's wife at the banquet? I'm sorry, we won't be able to stay for dinner, but can you put us down for our usual donation? How'd you feel about that comment? What'd you guys think about that comment? Raise your hand. Bruce? Obligation? How else did you feel? Yes, Roland? Okay. All right. Somebody else. How did you feel? How many of you were really aggravated with what she said? Connie, would you? I just felt like if your heart's not right, it doesn't matter how much you give. Okay. All right. Deborah? Okay, so you felt like the reason that she was going to the banquet so that she would receive a pat on the back for what she was doing. So she was going to give her usual donation just to get the pat on the back. I mean, she had extra, so why not just go ahead and give the extra? But I don't want to stay because I don't really want to be around those people, right? Okay, that's a good point. Yes? She felt like she was better than them. She felt like she was better than them? How many of you have ever felt like you were better than somebody else? Do not raise your hand. 
I mean, think about that. I mean, when's the last time? Probably yesterday you looked at somebody and go, well, my Halloween outfit is better than theirs, you know. Or my kid's outfit is better than theirs. I mean, you think about it. My candy's better than theirs. I got more candy than they got. I mean, it's really easy. We can, we, can, we can look down on what she said, but how many of us many times have the same exact I idea? Um, she went on to say that she and others that night that had come to the banquet felt like they had been um, ambushed. Why, why do you think that was, Jim? Okay, they had their private society that's superior. Okay. Okay. Unfortunately, there, on, on the other part of the question, the first part of the question you asked, that why was the man there? Uh, probably if I was in that person's shoes and it was my ancestor, I would have told her that I appreciated the comment and everything, but I really don't need to be thrown in the shoes. Okay. All right. I mean, think about that. I mean, how, how, here she is. She says, I. She said she felt like she was ambushed. Why do you think that that was? Why do you think that they didn't want to interact with the group that was there? Yes, Marcus. So they couldn't benefit from that relationship, so why waste their time? That's a good point. That's a really good point. Somebody else. Why do you think they didn't want to be? Alex? Say that again. Okay. They were asked to put the money where their mouth was. Okay. Um, do you think that it can be easy, easier to give money and resources from a distance than to sit up close and personal with, the, with those to whom the money is going? How many of you have maybe given money to beyond the walls but have yet been able to serve? And it could be because of time. How many of you have given money maybe to a group like Boys and Girls Club or Project Legacy but have not been able to get up close and, and personal? You know, why is that? Is it because of time? Some people are givers and they enjoy giving. And some people have the ability to give and may not have the time to be able to serve. But why do you think that is? Why do you think that um, it may be easier to give resources than to be able to sit up close and in person. How many people are willing to open up a pocketbook yet, but not in willing to invite some people into their homes? Because they aren't what, Roland? Maybe people persons? Okay. What'd you say, Jim? It's risky, isn't it? might get hurt. How many of you ever been hurt in a relationship when somebody didn't respond the way that you thought that they should respond? I think all of us have. It's been, it's very difficult. You know, when we go back and we look at the relationships that Jesus himself had, and, and we look at Jesus's life, and we describe the characteristics of his relationships, um, what are some people that Jesus might have included or invited to the table that others might would have excluded. Who were some people? Tax collectors? Sinners? Who else? 
Who? Lepers? Prostitutes? Don't say that word. <laughs> Who else? Who? Who? Homeless? Jesus knew what it was like to be homeless, wasn't he? Didn't he? Yeah. Didn't have a place to lay his head. Let me read for you some passages of Scripture and see if you can get a, maybe get a little bit of a handle. And let me start off in Matthew chapter 9 and, and 10 um, and see what it, what it says. Later, Matthew, a tax collector, invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, who were the Pharisees? Yeah. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such, this is a pretty difficult word, scum? Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. Tax collectors and notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Matthew 19, 13. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. You've got to remember, in the context of that time, women and children were not looked upon as... as um, very well. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. But Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on their head and he blessed them before he left. And in John 3, we, we see Jesus' interaction with um, a man of tremendous amount of power, Nicodemus. And then also in, in John chapter 8, the woman caught in, a, in adultery. So we see Jesus' interaction with people. Different people that, that many people would not invite to their table. When's the last time you've invited somebody like that to sit at your table and have you associated with them? When's the last time you've invited somebody of that nature to go to lunch? When's the last time you've invested some time in somebody that's struggling, that's known in the community as a sinner? You know, wouldn't it, doesn't, it, doesn't it seem natural? Doesn't it seem natural that if those of us that are believers, now hang with me, doesn't it seem natural that those of us that are believers, that if we had the message of hope, that we would want to spend time with those who didn't believe that there was hope? Are you with me? Hang with me. Brian's flashing that screen. I did see it that time. It says 12 minutes. So I did see it that time. We get to laughing about all these things. So you've got, you've got Jesus interacting here with tax collectors and sinners and women, the woman at the well, beggars and fishermen and poor and the hungry, the hurting, all of these different people. And Jesus broke down those social boundaries and the racial boundaries and the gender boundaries and the age boundaries. But who are some people that you exclude and you discriminate against? Just think about that just for a second. 
I mean, if we're going to pattern our life after Jesus, and if we're going to live as Jesus said live, then how do we, how should we live? What are some things that we might ought to be doing? Are there some changes that need to be made as it, as it pertains to relationships? And think about this thought just for a second. A lot of times we think about the kingdom of God being there, but the kingdom of God can be here as well. God's people in God's place under God's rule. The kingdom of God is now as well as not yet. And when we live and interact as God plans for us to live and interact, we have the ability to experience God's kingdom. And let me read to you a passage of scripture found in Revelation. When it talks about that day, it paints a picture of what it will be like that day when we gather in Revelation 7, 9. And after this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count from every, tri from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb, and they were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. And I think the thought is that we don't have to wait to get a glimpse of what heaven looks like. But we have the opportunity as believers to be able to experience that here especially as we offer hope to those who feel hopeless when we live as God intends us to live. Do, do you remember when Frank went around and he tore up that, that card? He tore, tore up that seating place card. What, what do you think that he was trying to say there at that time? When he, when he was tearing up that, that card that had their names, what do you think he was trying to say? Nobody was, nobody was more important? That's right. Anyone? What's the spiritual truth that we find in Scripture that that could maybe represent? When you think about the Scripture and you think about maybe a truth, when, when he's tearing up that card, what do you think that maybe there's a spiritual truth that maybe could be represented there? Do what? Okay. Everybody's invited. We're all are sinners. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone is, is, is welcome. You know, as God's ambassadors, as believers, the question, I guess, is who are you inviting to your table? And think about your sphere of influence and, <clears throat> and the number of people that you you interact with on a daily basis and the question is um, <clears throat> I wonder if there's somebody that you know that knows your name that you know their name that's been waiting for you to invite they've been waiting for you to invite them to the table they see you and they're waiting for you to invite them to the table at the end of the video Ray said some people only want to sit at tables where every seat is reserved for people like themselves. And then he says, if you want real community, you have to rip up the name cards. What's that saying? What's that saying? Good, good, Amy. Yes. 
That's right. That's right. God's not a respecter of persons, and we shouldn't be either. The first step in relational generosity is acknowledging that we might struggle with accepting certain people for whatever the reason. Yet the gospel is available to everyone with no exception. The gospel is available to everyone because loving generously is bigger than just picking up a pen and writing a check. And I love this this thought when we're willing to invite others into our lives what we're doing is we're moving beyond the transactional generosity and what we're doing is we're moving into a relational generosity and giving relational capital to those who can't uh, to those who can't repay us but when we do that you know what the bible has to say guess who pays us the lord does the Lord does. Watch this brief video clip as we wrap things up. When I was homeless, there wasn't a table in the world with my name on it. In the time when I most needed community, I was uninvited and unwelcome because everyone was uncomfortable at the sight of the pain and poverty and need in my life. That's when I first heard Jesus' words, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends, brothers, relatives, or rich neighbors. But invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. We all do it, rich or poor. We all look for people who can serve our needs rather than looking for people whose needs we can serve. But what if Jesus really meant what he said? What if he really wants us to spend less time seeking those we can benefit from and more time seeking those we can be a benefit to? Frank and Cassie learned a long time ago that generosity is not just about picking up a pen and writing a check. It's about picking up a ladle and serving your fellow man. Just as Jesus humbled himself to be with us, we are called to reenact that same journey, to humble ourselves and to invite those the world rejects to our table. Then we can move beyond transactual generosity into relational generosity, giving our relational capital to those who cannot repay us. But the beautiful thing is, when you do this, God says that he himself will repay you. That's not a bad hour you to have. Now, you, you may not invite the entire homeless shelter over to your kid's next birthday party. But the point is to examine your heart and to ask yourself, who are you inviting into your life? Are you including only those who can repay you through connections, social status, or opportunities? Or are you including in your life the poor, the lame and the blind, those who have nothing to offer but their needs? Maybe it's time to rip up the name cards in your life and reach out to someone with no place to sit and rejoice if you find that they have no way to repay you because God says you will be blessed. So who can you invite to your table today? So what are you hearing? What did you hear? Come on. Do what, Larry? Be open. Open for opportunity. Step up. What? Get rid of the labels. 
intentionality, intentional. I mean, it's easy to get in the rut. I mean, this is a reminder. I mean, this shouldn't be anything that's new for us. This, is, this should be a reminder for us. This is a gut check. This is a Jesus check. See, Hannah and I had this conversation the other day. See, what happens if on Thanksgiving that if There weren't bags of food that were being passed out. But there were families that would be invited to our home. It's pretty doggone risky, isn't it? But what happens if instead of their passing out and doing the usual that we have planned to do, but what happens if, if one year that we were bold enough and risky enough that we were to say, Hannah, give us the names of your families and what we want to do is we want to invite them all to our homes so that they all have a place to go. See, it's a whole lot easier to go serve somebody over the, at beyond the walls than it is to invite them into our homes. It's, either, it's also easy to, in, to, to do it once, to do it just to say, I did it. It's another thing to, to make a lifestyle of it. So I think the challenge for us is this. This isn't about inviting the beyond the walls to your house. That's not what it's about. But it's about, like he said, examining our hearts and being able to do for one what you wish you could do for all. That's what it's about. Do for one what you wish you could do for all. It's not you looking at anybody else and, again, you beginning to judge others because it would be easy to do that. This is between you and the Lord. Lord, what do you want me to do? What does it mean for me? What does it mean for my family? But if you really want community, wouldn't it make sense to offer hope to those that need it? You know what happens inside of most churches, most places of worship? We get satisfied. And you know why we quit reaching the people that need to be reached? Because we get satisfied with our holy huddles. The church that is reaching people is the church that is investing in the lives of people that are hurting. And that can be up and out as well as the down and out because they're all over the place. Money can just has a way of hiding the hurts and the pains a little bit longer. Are you with me? So the challenge for us today is this. Who are you inviting to your table? As a family, as an individual, who are you inviting to your table? This next week, is it possible that maybe you would, and maybe, is it possible that maybe this next week that you would sit with somebody, talk to somebody, have a conversation with somebody, take somebody to lunch that you have nothing to gain but only something to give. And I wonder what might happen as a result of that. You might not benefit here on this earth, but you know what would happen? 
You know where the payment would come from? Heaven. For those of us that are believers, this is a challenge. For those of us that are here that don't know Christ, I'd love to talk to you about him and tell you the difference that he does make. It makes a tremendous difference. It was because of Jesus' death on the cross 2,000 years ago that we have the ability to offer that hope to others. And if you don't know him, today would be a great day to want to give your life to him. Would you pray with me? Father, for those of us that are believers here today, the challenge is who are we going to invite to the table this next week? This next week, who are we going to invest our lives in? Who are we going to think about that has the ability not to repay us or serve us in any type of a way, but we're just going to pour our lives into them? For the person here that may not know Christ, Lord, is the question is, what is it that keeps us from making that most important decision? Because of, because of Jesus' death on the cross 2,000 years ago, we have the ability to not only trust you, but, Father, for our lives to be radically changed, for us to be able to repent of our sin, to, to, to choose to move, to change, to, to, to make that turn in our lives, and to follow and obey you. And if there's somebody here today that is at that place, I'd love for them to, to come see me after this service and say, I I want to follow Jesus. I'm that person that's always felt like I've been on the outside. I'm that person that I feel like I don't have any hope. This is what I do know. There is no hope other than Jesus. And so, Father, even if they're here this morning, would they come and see me? I pray that we're challenged as we leave this place to be your people. Because if we're your people, we have the ability to not only experience your kingdom on this earth, but, Father, we have the ability to have an impact in the community here in which we live, and isn't that what we're supposed to do? Father, I pray that we would be your ambassadors. Forgive us of those times in which we fail. Father, I know that there are many. Father, I ask that you would use us as your instruments. Father, I pray for our homes and I pray for our families, God, that, Lord, that, that we would represent you every day. God, now um, be with us as we leave this place. And Father, again, may we accept this challenge of who will we invite to the table this next week? And may we come back here next week with some stories as well as ready to hear what the next part of this story will be that we're listening to and how you'll challenge us to live more like Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.